Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is the Improv Chronicle podcast. I'm Lloydie. It's Tuesday, 24th September, 2019. Last night, I spoke to Laura Hall, who's famous for being the musician in the US version of TV show Whose Line Is It Anyway? We ended up chatting because I've been talking to improv music directors about their role over the past couple of weeks. I've been curious, how does the musician view the improv show? And what do they add? And what should those of us who take to the stage to work with them know about the work the music director is putting into the show? When I first started thinking about this, I messaged one of the musicians from my own team, Rhymes Against Humanity. We do a fully improvised musical, and we have two musicians, both named Sam. I got in the car to drive to the Sam that lives closest to me, Sam Marshall, because he performs on both sides of the keyboard. He's a stage improviser and a musician improviser. Hi. Really, really enjoy the sign in your window. Yes. <laughs> we do get some funny looks. Uh, would you like a cup of tea or anything? Oh, if you're having one, I would love a cup of tea. How is it different being a musical improviser on the keys or on the guitar to being a musical improviser on stage in a non-musical improv show? A uh, good question. I guess I find musical improv from behind the keyboard a lot easier than trying to do the musical games that we do as a person on stage like when we had our jam last night and I got up on stage and did a love ballad I was shaking which never happens to me on stage these days especially when I'm playing a character but it's just because I'm I'm just so not used to, to you know doing the rhymes and putting it all through my head and I feel like doing doing stage improv feels very natural to me because I've been doing it for so long and similarly playing the piano in that kind of improvised playing by ear um you know uh, conversation back and forth with the performers is also something that i've been doing not in an improv context but sort of in different ways for also quite a while i guess so as as a musical improviser you are a uh, you are a part of the show you are an improviser within the show and you are having as you say a conversation with the other improvisers on stage what is it that you think improvisers who are not musicians don't appreciate about your role? Uh, I guess it's 
sometimes maybe people don't appreciate the you know the style or the mood that I'm going for because it's, it's it's my job at least partly to work out when the emotional tension or uh, you know the emotion of a scene is building up enough to the point where words aren't enough anymore it has to be sung because that's how songs in a musical work uh, and I think both me and the improviser generally agree that it's time to sing but I might have a specific idea of the kind of song that I want in my head and then the improviser will have another idea of what they want to sing so if I start to do a sort of samba because I, I feel like there's there's a little bit of of sexual tension going on or like a tango or something they might have been thinking oh no this is going to be a very tragic ballad and I think you can get points of surprise there but I think I think we always kind of cover it well because it, it, it must be I mean because you've also as you were explaining been on 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 both sides in a musical show so um what are the if you could tell um improvisers in musical improv one thing from the musician's perspective that you've noticed from both sides that you think they don't appreciate what would it be from the performer's side i guess the thing that they maybe don't get is all the kind of specific musical stuff that comes more naturally to me so like i might start a song in 6-8 which is you know a a different timing than 4-4 which is the one we're most used to and if we're in 6-8, it might take a little while for the performer to work out where the beats are. And I'll try and telegraph them a little bit. But famously, 6-8 and 3-4 are the other ones you have to try and avoid as an improvising musician because it's so much harder for the performer on the on the hoof to, to you know, work out where the beats are going. And yet I've seen you make that work. I do. I do try. I think 6-8 is easier than 3-4 because 6-8 is basically just two. So if you put the downbeats one, two, one, two, then you can pretty much play with however you like. Um, so I think it's just really about doing all of the song structuring yourself to, to make it as easy as possible for the improviser to add the melody and the words. My next stop was with another team I play with, The Maydays. I was teaching musical improv with Joe Samuel at the Maydays annual improv retreat in the Dorset countryside here in the UK this past few days. <laughs> After teaching a class with Joe, we took a walk and talked about what he brings to the musical improv we do. I always wonder whether sometimes improv musicians can be kind of almost taken for granted um, or even, even almost forgotten about by the performers on stage. Uh, do, you, do you ever feel like that? Um, not in the May days. No. Um, I think the times maybe when I'm forgotten about are when the people on stage are perhaps a bit nervous and thinking very hard about what it is they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can see, you know, they're up in their heads and focusing on what's going on and I can still do my job but it's just that communication isn't there anymore I certainly think of the musician as an extra improviser on stage Mm. Um, how do you view your role? Yeah it was interesting recently in Edinburgh Um, I watched the show Happily Never After for the first time where I wasn't the musician Um, and it was just really interesting noticing how much weight the music carries in that show, but I assume by association in other shows as well. Because I used to think, 
oh yeah, I'm an improviser alongside everyone else. So there's five people on stage and there's me. So you know, I'm a I'm a sixth of doing a sixth of the work and I'm a sixth of the improv that's happening. And then having seen the show and seen someone else do it, I was like, ah, I don't think I am. I think maybe I'm half of what's going on because the music has as loud a voice as what's happening on stage. So without the music, you've lost half your show. So uh, are you saying that the ensemble on stage are kind of like one voice and you're the other and that, that those two elements are in dialogue? I think that's how it should be if you're doing a musical show, to be honest. Um, if you're using music as underscore, then maybe not so much, uh, depending on what the culture is in your company, I guess. But yeah, if you're doing a musical show and there's... I mean, think about if there was a band, for example, then you've got four or five musicians and four or five people on stage, then it would seem fairly obvious that, you know, oh, well, the people in the band have got carry the same sort of weight as the people on stage. But if there's just one musician, yeah, they're, they're having to do a lot of work to uh, support what's going on. And I think, ideally, that should be a, about half of the effect that the audience are getting. If there was one thing that you would want stage improvisers to understand from a musical musician improviser point of view, what would it be? There was one thing I wanted stage improvisers to understand. What do you want them to understand about your job? <laughs> What's the one thing? Oh, come on, guys, you just need to get this. Um, I think that's a tricky one. I would like them to... I'd certainly like them to understand that essentially I'm doing the same job as them. And if they're not communicating, then it's not going to work in the scene, but it's also not going to work in the music. So it's all very well to have a great idea for a scene. But if you don't communicate that to your scene partners in some way, it's probably not going to fold out like that. In the same way, it's all very well to have a great idea for a song and a genre and a feeling or an ending or a bridge or something. If you don't communicate that to me or to anyone else on stage, then it's going to be a bit of a scramble. So I think I would love people to understand what it's like for someone to suddenly burst into song in some unexpected way and just be like, whoa, oh my God, what's going on? Rather than just to give me a bit of warning, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, maybe that. But uh, a, bit of, a bit of a heads up sometimes would be useful. <laughs> if you're going into your rap break, you're going to have to have a bit of that attitude before you start. Otherwise, there's going to be a two or three second delay while you get your rap settings up, you know. That same evening, there was a big campfire and all the participants at the retreat gathered. One of them was Mercury Music Prize and Brit Award-nominated musician Fred Deacon, best known as one half of the 90s noughties group Lemon Jelly. He provides music for a science fiction improv show. I am very lucky to be uh, providing soundtracks for Project 2, which is Katie Shute and Chris Mead, two of the Maydays, who do this incredible science fiction show. Uh, and it was probably the first show that I saw where I just it just blew my mind it was one of those moments that and it's an incredible time travel show uh, and it was you know funny and sad and the structure was you know there was layers to it like inception like it was a brilliant work of art and I totally got that improv thing which is that you know this is as good as anything I'd ever seen on a West End stage and they would never do it again 
and nobody but the people in the room would ever be able to see it again. And it just blew my mind. And I, started, I fell in love. And so I thought, what can I bring to the party? Because I want to be part of this. And I thought I can bring my music. And I'm a big science fiction fan, just like Katie and Chris. And I love science fiction movies. And the classic trope of the science fiction movie is the soundtrack. It's like the John Carpenter soundtrack or, or whether it's Stranger Things soundtrack or whatever. You know, it's a big, it's like almost like a, a character in the, in the film. And I thought, oh, I know. Uh, so I started playing soundtracks to match their, their improvised science fiction narratives. What do you think you specifically add to the show as the musical element? I think I make it about 20% more immersive because there's something about a soundtrack. If you've, ever, uh, if you've ever heard anything about how movies get made, there's always a moment before they add the soundtrack and after they add the soundtrack. When it, when it, a film without a soundtrack is a very strange thing to watch. And, and yet when we watch a film, you almost forget the soundtrack. So there's something about making it more cinematic and kind of getting in there on a subconscious level. So outside of improv, you have an album coming out, Fred. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Lloyd. Yes, I've got an album um, coming out in October um, called The Lasters. And it's uh, something that's been very informed by my time in improv. Because um, I was in a band called Lemon Jelly, uh, which was quite successful about 15 years ago. And that was very dance-based stuff and very groove-based. And if there were any lyrics or anything like that in there, then they would be quite minimal. It's kind of speech samples and little catchphrases. And with this album, it's just got a story in it. And it's got lyrics, proper songs, and I'm singing in it. And it's definitely something I would not have had the courage to do if I hadn't done a lot of improv, musical improv and normal improv. Um, because it's just made me realise how, how easy is the wrong word, but how achievable it is to write songs. Because once you've done a musical improv class or two, and you've come out of it, and you've sung some songs, and you've gone, hang on a second, that song is pretty good, you know? You remembered it the next day, and you've gone, well, th- th- maybe this isn't an unattainable goal. When I got home from the improv retreat, I made a call to one of the most famous and experienced musical improvisers in the world, Laura Hall. Hi. Hey, Laura, how are you? Good, how about you? I'm great, so great to speak to you. I'm thinking you're known by so many for, like, Who's Line and uh, and you've helped so many musical improvisers with your book, The Improv Comedy Musician. Um, I was wondering how you got into doing music in improv shows specifically. It, You know, it sort of started by accident. I was, I wanted to be a musician. I was studying I was studying music in school. I got a waitressing job at Second City in Chicago, um, just sort of by accident. It was a good college job. And um, and then that ended up, I ended up going out with a touring company. And then I opened a show in the ETC. It just sort of all fell into place. But I certainly didn't grow up like going, I want to grow up and be an improv musician. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so how do you define the role of a, a, a musical director in musical improv? Well, it's interesting because um, the, the person that I learned from, my mentor, Fred Kaz, um, you know, when the best piece of advice he gave me, he was like, if there's six actors on stage, you're the seventh improviser. And there is, there's so much, the music can play such an important part in a show. And a lot of times like the underscore in a movie, the audience isn't even really aware of it. You know, it really shapes the the rhythm, the timing, the energy of the show. 
And I've spoken, I mean, I'm in two groups that do musical improv myself um, and have done that for a, a number of years. Um, and having spoken to the uh, music directors of both of those groups, uh, one thing that came up again and again with them was the role music has in um, uh, shaping and heightening emotion in improv. Definitely, most definitely. And it can lead it or it can follow it. You know what I mean? It can lead the emotion and sort of deepen it um, or sometimes lead the actors into places they wouldn't have necessarily thought of going on their own. Um, Or it can follow what the, you know, the actor makes an offer and then the music heightens it. And that's one of the, for me, one of the big joys of playing for improv is that kind of, that kind of connectedness and, um, and heightening emotion. Just going off what you just said there, you were talking about um, sometimes the actors make an offer, sometimes you do. How how often kind of uh, are you doing it versus how often the actors do it? Do you, is there a ratio that you've noticed? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say necessarily a ratio. I don't, I don't know. I think when it goes well and it's really seamless, you're not necessarily aware just as like if you're in a scene and people are making offers, you're not necessarily aware of, oh, this person made this offer that shifted everything. It just sort of is all happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, it, it, that does make sense. Um, that kind of brings me on to talking about a show that I saw you play for in Chicago in July. Uh, Stacy Smith's one-woman musical, uh, it's a one-woman Harold called uh, Stace Jam. Uh, Harold being a particular musical long form, for those not familiar. Um, is it different working with one individual actor on stage as opposed to an ensemble in order to create a musical improv show? Oh, most definitely. Um, the sort of rule of thumb that I have, like, is that the more actors and also sometimes you have more musicians as well, the more people involved in a song, the trickier it is to, you know, to make sure that you're that everyone's getting a chance to, you know, the, the, the people who need it, who need to speak, who need to sing in the song are getting a chance to. It has to be that you have to sort of have a stronger hand in gluing everyone together and also the harder it is to end the song. So uh, talking about communication, uh, I've asked this of, of several musical directors in the last week. If there was one thing you wanted the improvisers acting on stage to understand about the job you do, what what would that be? Oh, interesting. Um, the, I guess it's partly that for songs in particular, that we're we're always thinking about structure, overall structure, um, a lot of times, and um, and for the actors, they're thinking more about the character, I think, and what you know, what is it that my character wants to express, and we're thinking sort of structurally, and so that's why sometimes we are, you know, sort of heading you a certain way, is because we're thinking about the overall structure and form. So that makes sense. Yeah. So, in other words, you've got a bit more of a, uh, a kind of a macro view of it, a, a helicopter view, to use a horrible management term. 
<laughs> oh god i spent some time in management i'm so sorry you can take you can take the boy out of management but you can never take management out of the boy um, but like that that kind of overview whereas the the uh the kind of onstage actors are, are more in the kind of micro detail sometimes yes yes i think that's a that's a, a good way to put it and and they should be you know they should be they should be focused on who is this character what are they feeling what are they trying to express but when when it's all flowing well that sort of here's the big picture and the the micro both happen at, at once in the best way so it seems the musician has the back of the onstage improvisers in some pretty specific ways they both heighten emotion and help establish mood. They're looking after the big picture. They're improvising with you and both making offers and accepting them. They need us to communicate as much with them as they so clearly do with us. Next time on the Improv Chronicle podcast. You may have the greatest improv show on earth, but you still need an audience. Next episode, we look at how improv shows are marketed and ask, how could we do better at this as an artistic community? The Improv Chronicle podcast is produced and presented by me, Lloydy James Lloyd. Please subscribe and rate us on your favourite podcast app. And if you have an idea for a possible episode, get in touch via our website, improvchronicle.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.